Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Wednesday, August 23rd. I'm Nyla Boudou. Today, new apartment construction on the West Coast is plummeting, what that means for housing. Plus, ticket sales for college football are through the roof. But first, the GOP holds its first debate tonight. But how much will it matter? That's today's one big thing. The first Republican presidential primary debate is tonight in Milwaukee. Eight candidates hit the stage at 9 p.m., but not former President Trump. He said on his Truth Social on Sunday he will, quote, not be doing the debates, which begs the question, how much does this matter? Axios's managing editor for politics, David Lindsay, is here to help us answer that. Hi, David. Hi, Nyla. How are you? David, let's start with this big question. How important are these debates in terms of leading to the eventual nominee? That's unclear. If somebody emerges and this is the starting point, it's really important. But Trump is a runaway favorite right now, and he doesn't think it's very important. It's a very strategic move for him. He actually has other things going on to counter-program this debate, an interview with Tucker Carlson that's going to be posted online. And then, of course, the very next day, he's surrendering to authorities in Georgia. So he will be in the news all week, and he has been in the news leading up to this. The anticipation, the will he or won't he do the debate, No, he's not doing the debate. Then he announces his arrest and when he's going to turn himself in. He has successfully, in many ways, kind of stepped on the whole news surrounding the debate. Does it matter if not a lot of people watch the debate, David? It can. But the people who are going to watch the debate are, I would say, a few, some interested Democrats, but mainly Republicans. It's going to be on Fox News. It'll reflect their audience. It won't get the ratings Fox News wanted it to have because Trump will be absent. They courted him, basically, and tried to get him to do this debate. But he has some grievances with Fox News. And so it becomes really important for these other candidates, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, Tim Scott, Doug Burgum, and Anasa Hutchinson. It is particularly important, I think, for DeSantis, who has to prove something after having stumbles in his campaign for months. And people thought he was going to be the, you know, the really challenging Donald Trump for the nomination. And he's way behind 30, 40 something points in the polls, depending on what you look for. But also for Pence and Ramaswamy and Christie, every one of these folks is trying to recruit Trump supporters who they need for the nomination, but who are so devoted to Trump. So it's this fine line you walk in trying to take down Trump a few notches, but not to the point that you upset his supporters. And so his lack of participation in all of these events is perhaps a reflection of his dominance in the race right now, David? It is. He's so well known. He's got a core of supporters who are going to support him. And nobody else has that. And so his margin of error, Trump's, is very large. And he's got people who will show up at the polls for him. So to to beat him, you have to crack this devotion or get other people to show up in the counter that devotion. And Chris Sununu had an interesting op-ed piece, the uh, New Hampshire governor, talking about what it takes to beat Donald Trump. He's one of the Republicans who is not a fan of Donald Trump. And he said that for the Republicans to break free of Trump's drama is to narrow the field. Trump benefits from this 10-person field that is there now. If everyone has somewhere between 6 and 10%, and then Trump has 50 or 40, then he's pretty safe. 
David Lindsay is Exus's managing editor for politics. Thanks, David. Thank you. After the break, a West Coast housing crisis. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Renters in many parts of the country may be getting some relief when it comes to rent and options, thanks in part to a massive boost in apartment construction, one we haven't seen since the 70s. Nearly 1.1 million apartments are currently under construction, according to the commercial real estate tracker CoStar. But things are not looking up on the West Coast, where new apartment construction is plummeting. Axios San Diego's Andrew Keats has been reporting on why. Hi, Andrew. How you doing? So first, being from San Diego, how are you given all the crazy weather you guys have had this week? We're doing okay. It's uh, sunny and blue skies here now, which is a far cry from Sunday and a, a little bit weird, but we're fine now. So nationally, the construction of apartment buildings has really picked up. How does that compare broadly with what you're seeing all along the West Coast? Yeah. So in the six largest cities on the West Coast, apartment construction is way down. We're looking at about 20,000 apartments this year, fewer in the first half of the year than in the first halves of the last, say, 10 years. So if you just average out what the production typically looks like in the biggest cities on the West Coast over the last decade, we're running 20,000 units behind that pace or about half. So we really are seeing that it's the West Coast cities where things are very expensive, land is very expensive, that are not keeping pace with the rest of the country in terms of new apartment building. Why? Well, you know, people have a bunch of different ideas. I think the biggest one is just the cost of construction. The interest rate environment has made it very difficult for developers to get construction loans. Also, labor costs are up. Material costs are up. So basically, all of the things that go into how expensive it is to build are increasing. And as a result, people are deciding to build a little bit less, at least here on the West Coast. What does this mean in terms of affordability and affordable housing? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of what housing units are coming on the market today, those are units that broke ground two or three years ago. And so the units that aren't starting today, the construction that isn't happening, is going to be housing units that aren't available for people to move into in a few years from now. I talked to somebody at the Turner Center in Berkeley who said, if you think the housing crisis is bad now, just wait a few more years. This is sort of the beginning of a crisis that looks like it's going to get worse, not better in these cities. That's Axios' Andrew Keats in San Diego. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Our Axios business colleagues are reporting this morning about how mortgage interest rates are inching closer to the 8% mark. The average 30-year fixed mortgage rate hit 7.49% this week. That's the highest it's been in two decades, which has us wondering whether you rent or own, do you think homeownership matters? If you can record a voice memo sharing your thoughts about whether or not homeownership even matters anymore, you can text or email me. The info's all in our show notes, and we'll be airing these responses soon for some more housing stories we're working on. 
college sports are in for a dramatic realignment, one that will kill off some of the country's biggest rivalries, which is why some are saying this is the last season for college football as we know it. The Big Ten is now made up of 14 schools, but next year, USC and UCLA will make their move there. They're part of a mass exodus from the Pac-12. Texas and Oklahoma are moving to the SEC, among other changes. Perhaps in anticipation of all of this, college football fans are snatching up tickets in a big way. Sales are through the roof, reports Axios Entertainment reporter Annalise Bailey. Hi, Annalise. Hi. When we say through the roof, what kind of sales are you seeing? We are seeing huge sales across the entire landscape of college football. So StubHub has reported that all of their college football ticket sales are up nationally over 50%. Are there specific teams that are seeing the most pickup? Yes. So what I find really interesting is the Colorado Buffaloes are seeing an increase of 1,668%. And that's mainly due to the hiring of coach Deion Sanders during the offseason. They hired him. And so fans are just super excited for the season. How much of all of this is reflective of a boom we've seen in live events all year? And I'm thinking particularly of the Taylor Swift or Beyonce concerts this summer. Yeah, I think it's all very much connected. People are looking for entertainment again. We are back outside. We're looking for concerts. We're looking for sporting events. And college football is really no different. And out of these, who makes the most money off of this, Annalise? Is it the StubHubs of the world? StubHub is making a lot of money, but I think we can safely say that these schools are profiting a huge amount from how much their football teams are bringing in, which overall also affects the economy of the local communities that these teams are in. Annalise Bailey writes about entertainment for Axios. Thanks, Annalise. Thank you. That's it for us today. You can always reach our team by emailing podcasts at axios.com, or you can text me at 202-918-4893. All this information's in our show notes. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.